0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt. A classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American slash Mike.
2: He's off the concussion protocol. Yeah. He's not not knowing the designation. All right. So we are back. Another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake and I starting off. We're going to update on the Craig Council situation and the Brewers manager situation. And then we're going to bring Mike in. We're going to get the Jake and I are both bad news first people. So we're going to get the, the Badgers football game. We're going to talk about it right away. Get it out of the way. And then we're going to move to Badgers basketball. Like we said in the post earlier today, there's going to be tons of awesome stats to come out of the Badgers basketball game from Monday. And then Jake and I are going to talk about the three bucks games from last week. Other than that, uh, Jake, have you any different thoughts on the Craig Council situation since we talked on Monday?
0: Well, last last week I was, you know, shocked, right? Disappointed. Uh, And now I'm just kind of going into the next part of the grieving process, and I'm angry, you know? Uh, After hearing stuff like this was his dream job, um, you know, all that coach talk stuff. And I, I texted you this, uh, earlier this week is that I'm just, I'm really getting sick and tired of all the coach talk that he's given us, you know, and Ananasio said it, and I know you're going to touch on Ananasio as well, but yeah. Ananasio said that he lost, you know, the community and he did. And Wisconsin is a, it's a special place, man. It's a great place to live. People here are just really, really nice, uh, really understanding. They're just good people, man. Plain and simple uh you and i included uh we grew up in this in this area our entire lives and we're i feel like we're just nice people right you know i've traveled you've traveled and you know it's, it's different out west it's different down south it's different out east man and uh that midwest feel is uh is different and he he lost a good community to be honest with yep. you and when he was coach talking to us yesterday about oh i hope i'm still part of the community nah man you uh you made your bed, they got to lie in it. That's what they say, right? So that was your dream job. You always wanted to go there, yada, yada, yada. Get the hell
2: out of here. That's all I got. So my thing is you you mentioned the dream job comment that Council made, and his agent is a pretty uh, – I can't say that I'm, like, in, in favor of how his agent has discussed things as well. Um, he seems like he was in it for the payday also, uh, which Craig council being paid $40 million over the next five years is crazy. Not saying that he's not worth it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's more than being the highest paid. It's resetting what managers are going to get paid. Yep. And really what it comes down to is the, the first thing that people did right away was say, oh, Adanasio was too cheap. And this is why we need to make sure that we have all of the information before making comments like that. Because it sounds like even if Adanasio had offered him 8 million a year, that he still would have chosen the Cubs. They offered to make council the highest paid manager in baseball. Council mm-hmm. said, this is my dream job and I'm going to be the highest paid. And that was it. They didn't give Adanasio a chance to even match what the Cubs were willing to pay. Yep. And it was basically Council wants the Cubs. The Cubs want Council. That's where he's going Honestly, regardless of what Milwaukee does. You know, <clears throat> if I
0: can interject real quick. Yep. The photo of him sitting next to Raleigh fingers. Uh, I believe uh, who is, who else is in the photo God, I'm blanking. But anyways, when, when counsel's a kid and he's smiling and Raleigh fingers are smiling, they're holding the baseball. Um, oh no, they're holding a the trophy. Um, that photo has a different feel. Uh, all the hometown kid got to get, got to get it done here. That bullshit's done. Uh, I feel way, way different. And I told everybody last week to not lose respect, and I still stand by that. I did not lose respect for him. Um, I'm one of those those rare people that really sticks up for players in this, in this occasion, uh, a manager, and I, I always cheer for people to get their money, right? Uh, I'm not paying it, so it's n- no hair off my back, right? But I always cheer for people to get the money. But golly, man, the way that it happened, man, it just feels like I was lied to, honestly. It feels like I was lied to. I'm and sure it's kind not kind of – it's it's not the end of the world because we still have good players here, still right. have a good form system, we still have pitching staff. Like the brewery of
2: office is still good.
0: You could do a lot worse as a manager whether we hire somebody who is experienced, been to the playoffs, or we hire a first-time manager. Like there's names being thrown around like Ricky Weeks and and Carlos Gomez and Man, we were joking when we said that last week, but... <laughs> I know.
2: Yeah, when you I said what? that on Monday, like, I threw out the names like Carlos Gomez and Ricky Weeks, and obviously I said Niger Morgan, you know, not yeah. even, you know, logical baseball reason, but... Right. Right, but, like, my point being, like, there's a lot of places you
0: could start out at, a <clears throat> manager than the Milwaukee Brewers, who have veteran players, talented players all over the field. So, you know, council, man, I, all I got to say is karma is real.
2: So the couple things that I want to touch on before we switch into badger mode here is one, one of the reasons Craig council said he wanted to go to the Cubs was for a new challenge. And my initial reaction to that was like, is trying to win a world series as a small market, not enough of a challenge. All right. That was just my thought. And the other thing is, this is just coming in from, um, the Brewers GM meetings. Um, Matt Arnold said that Pat Murphy is in very real consideration for the manager position. I'm honestly not upset at that, dude. Yeah, it would be, it would be like, let's say essentially, let's say two years ago before Darvin Ham got hired by the Lakers, yep. if the Bucks had fired Budenholzer and, or if Budenholzer had taken a job somewhere else and they had promoted Darvin Ham.
0: Right. It would be um,
2: essentially that same thing. Like a guy who's been his, his one B. Yeah. To to basically moving up a chair, is right.
1: essentially I what Matt
2: Murphy would be.
0: Murphy has filled in for counsel when he he's yeah. gotten tossed from games. Obviously, he seems he really feels like a baseball guy. So I mean I'm, I'm not upset with that move at all. If, if, that is a logical move if that's the way they go.
2: Right. Yep. And then seeing who they would go with as a as a bench coach then would be interesting as well. Yeah. Um. So we'll see what they do. One name we can rule out is Don Mattingly um he was promoted in toronto so he's Mm -hmm. obviously if they're giving him a promotion there he's not going to be like oh yeah just kidding i'm gonna go take a different job so i think that means that don uh don mattingly is staying in toronto so
0: well i mean the only kind of people that do that are bad people i mean craig council
2: yeah (laughs) all right you ready to talk some football
0: yeah, I'm sick and tired of this Craig Council shit, to be honest. <laughs> All right.
2: All right. We're we'll bringing in Mike and we're gonna start with our power pair and underrated performer. Uh Jake has our offensive power pair player from Saturday.
0: Okay, hold on. Let me uh let me get my notebook. I am on the wrong page. Hold on one second. Start with Mike. Start with Mike. Start with Mike. I had to turn my notebook. Unacceptable.
2: All right, Mike. Mike <laughs> has our yeah. defensive guy. I bet you Mike's on the right page. Yeah, yep, God.
3: Hard, hard asses here. Uh yeah, so uh unfortunate game this past Saturday, but you know, we still gotta give a, a couple shout-outs here. So we got uh defensive side of the ball. Um, looking at Jordan Turner. Uh, you know, it was good to see him because I know that obviously there's that three-man rotation between him, John Meta, and uh, Jake Cheney. Um, he obviously had a little bit of uh, trouble in the beginning of the year um, outside of football, so it's good to see his name out there. Uh, he had eight tackles and one and one sack, one big time sack uh, during the game. So, uh, just wanted to give him a quick shout out on that.
2: All right, Jake, you prepared now? No, go. All right, I got the underrated performer. I went with Jackson Aker. Uh, I'm going to talk okay. more about him in the in our offensive segment, but he. He had a slow day the week before, but he had 11 carries for 48 yards, 4.4 uh, carry, and also added four receptions. So, I went with Jackson Aker for the underrated performer.
0: Sorry, my emotions from Craig Council were really getting to me. I was on basketball. I was re- I'm was, i I'm in basketball mode right now, man, and I was uh, re-watching the Badgers basketball game. So, I was really into the basketball. So, my fault. Uh, but for offensive power pair, we picked Bryson Green uh four receptions 96 yards and a touchdown uh, a lot of a lot of yak uh, or rack whatever you want to call it yards of the catch run after catch i don't really care um but yeah he he played a good game mikey was bringing him up the last couple of weeks i was
2: begging for him to get in the end
0: zone and he finally gets in the end zone so thank god for that that's my
2: man from from way back in the primer which feels like yeah long time ago now, but all right. (laughs) All right. So Mike on the offensive side of the ball, what did you see that did actually get better despite the Badgers uh, not coming out victorious?
3: You know, we are, I don't want to say I was nitpicking a little bit because this, obviously this was, you know, this was a tough game. Right. But, um, you know, even though he did have that fumble, I did want to give a quick shout out to Cade Iacomelli for being his first full game. I guess you could say uh, as a Badger, Um, He had ten carries, forty-eight yards, but he had a couple uh, runs or a couple spurts of like ten and twelve yards. Uh, He also caught a couple passes as well, so we we know he can be effective in on both, you know, running it and catch catching it, which is what this offense, uh, as a running back, you're uh, that you're asked to or called upon to do. So uh, it was good to see him uh, show some flashes, and uh, I'm thinking we're going to be able – we might be seeing more of him on uh, the coming week here. Yeah. Uh,
2: Jake, what about you? What did you see that got better?
0: The offensive line improved. Um, I wrote down a lot of numbers last week. Uh, my hand is still recovering. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write down quite as many numbers this week. But uh, Malman, Nelson, uh, Joe Huber, Fertney, and Bortolini, I did write down all of their numbers. Uh, we gave up two sacks. Now, this is just the offensive line. I will give you the totals after. The offensive line gave up two sacks, zero hits, so that's fantastic, one hurry, and three pressures. Nice. So, if you remember, I'll go back here. Uh, our average is we give up 0.75 sacks, so we are over on that. Uh, we give up 1.75 hits, so under on that, or a little over on or no, under on that, we give up under zero there. hits. Uh, 5.25 hurries and 7.8 pressures. So only three pressures from the offensive line is fantastic stuff. Yeah, good. Uh, in total, we gave up two sacks, both from the O-line. Zero hits total. So for everybody, tight ends, running backs, everybody. Uh, two hurries total, only one from the offensive line, and four pressures total, and right, exactly three from the offensive line. The other hurry and the other pressure came from Jackson Aker, and I remember both on one play. So <laughs> uh, they were better this week.
2: Yeah, I, I went with Jackson Aker is what improved. And I brought up last week that my key was um, Phil Longo needing to be more creative for the run game because they were going to be likely without Braylon Allen that ended up being the case. Um, so looking at Jackson Aker, he had three carries for 10 yards against Iowa, two carries for five yards against Illinois, and then he had nine carries for 34 uh, yards against Ohio State and added five receptions. Then this week, 11 for 48 and the four receptions. So 14 touches and 15 touches the last two weeks compared to two and three the two weeks prior. So his opportunity is increasing. And it does seem like, you know, he's not, you know, he's not going to score you an 80-yard touchdown because he's a fullback converted to running back. But if we get into a scenario where Jackson Aker can play that change of pace back, To Braylon Allen, even though Braylon Allen is still a truck, but you have a a fast, shifty truck, and then you just have a beefy truck that just runs things over.
1: (laughs) You can tell he's a fullback, dude, because
0: there's opportunities for him to, like, you know, juke or do a spin move, maybe even a stiff arm. He's just like, fuck it, head down. Yeah,
2: I could go this way, that way, or around you, or through you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're gonna
0: stand there in my way? I guess I'll hit you. We're
2: going through. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Mike, what do you
3: see on the offense
2: that does need to get
3: better? So I wanted to bring this up because uh, going into our matchup uh, into the Indiana game, what did I, I said that we got to let Braden Locke cook right? Well, this past week, it's not like he completely, you know, cost us the game or anything like that. But um, just from like the – I I stole this from Flood. The eye test, you know, just watching him, you could tell there was a little bit of a struggle, uh, unfortunately. I mean, 21 of 41, 243 yards, two touchdowns. QBR was 33 and a half. So that, that is definitely a little – that tells a little bit, again, with the with the eye test. I mean, he even set himself this week – uh, there is quote unquote 10 or 11 plays that he would like to have back 10 or 11 plays is uh, That's a know, lot quite, quite a bit. Yeah. Um. You know, we, we missed out, we missed out on, on a handful of those like third and fourth and shorts that should have been, that were misfires, I would say on, on his behalf. So it's just something you got to clean up. Um, and then also going back to, this has been another common occurrence. Um. There's a big delay of game penalty, um, it was third, third and ten, quarter four, Q four, right about the thir- thirteen minutes to go or whatever. Third and ten, the twenty five yard line of Indiana. We get that delay of game, that screwed up a lot, which eventually led to a fourth and thirty, and then we had to punt the damn ball. So it's just you know more like discipline, you know, accountability, and just knowing where you are in the situation. Should maybe a fickle have called the timeout? That's debatable as well. Um, but we have seen this happen before. So that's just, you know, more stuff that we got to have Braden clean up on as we go forward here. And I'll
2: throw this out there, too. We didn't know this during the game. It was something I brought up. But uh, Nathaniel Vacos wasn't 100 percent healthy, which is why some of those scenarios where it's like, why don't they try a field goal and go for the points? Um, that's why that was why fickle addressed that after the game. Uh, George said Badgers play Tennessee on Friday. That's Badger basketball. We're going to do that after Badger football. Uh, Jake, what do you see on the offense that still needs to get better?
0: Uh, I feel like I just say this about both my football teams for the last 100 years, even though it's only been a mere eight weeks, right? (laughs) But fast starts, man. Oh, my goodness. It would be really nice to just come out and score a first possession touchdown, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just feel good? Can you imagine what that would feel like for this football team? Oh my goodness! Oh. Um, before I get into it, I'm just gonna say, man, if you let bad teams hang around or get a lead on you and just run the ball and play defense, this is the kind of
2: stuff that happens,
0: man. Is you end up losing yep. to bad teams, did, right?
2: Didn't I say it last year that the Badgers' play style allows them to upset teams and allows them to be? Oh upset? yeah, yeah,
0: you yeah. did. But man, oh man, and I feel like. The Badgers, like, in general, and, like, I'm not trying to, like, discredit them or anything. I feel like they always have played up to their competition and down to their competition. Yeah, that's Look at us against Ohio State. If we come out, if this team comes out with that same excitement, and they talked about it on the, on the broadcast. If this team comes out with the same fire of going against the number one team in the nation and then going to Indiana, who had two wins going into this game, there's no doubt that they go and win this one, right? You're playing a little faster. You're more You're more focused. Attention to details higher. So. Yeah. Yay! That was my coach talk. <laughs> um, first four possessions. Uh, the first possession: seven plays, thirty-three yards, turnover on downs. Second possession: seven plays, twenty-two yards, punt. Third third possession: three plays, negative one yard. Fourth possession: stop me if you heard this before. Three plays, negative one yard. What the hell? <laughs> The first one for three plays negative one yard was 44 seconds. We had the ball for 44 seconds. Yikes. The second one was 59 seconds. So, honestly, not much better. Yeah. And then we finally get into the end zone with a five-play 68-yard drive. The Badgers didn't score in this game until four minutes left in the first half. That is inexcusable. Honestly, like, I understand the the injury bug was kind of hitting us, but – we are the Wisconsin Badgers.
3: We have of the Wisconsin. talent to win this game. There, There's nothing that you can – yeah, there's no excuse. Exactly. We're going to talk – I'm going to – yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that. I'll, I'll
0: let you cook in a sec. Um, That's so funny. on third downs, just in the first half, just just in the first half, um, we were one of five. Locke completed one of four for 11 yards. His one completion for 11 yards was when we were in a third in 14. So we got 11 of the 14. That was when we then failed on fourth down and we had two penalties on third downs. That also killed us. Uh, one third down was a third and seven at the nine. We had a false start and our own nine uh, from Joe Huber. So we were really backed up there. And the other one was on a third and three when Cade had a really big, nice run. Uh, and there was a holding call on Nelson and it really kind of killed any momentum that they were creating with that drive. And it's just like, why are my football teams hurting themselves? Can we just honestly just focus on killing the other team? Why are we false starting and holding and incompleting and not running the right routes? And God,
2: Jesus. Oh, it's so frustrating. So I will put the cards on the table. The Badgers are without their starting quarterback. Their yeah. starting running back their backup starting running back, and one of their starting wide receivers on offense. I know, but... And I know, I know, they're still playing a team that was, what I'll say, is pretty easily beatable.
0: Yeah.
2: But here's the thing, is yes, it's a bad loss to a team they shouldn't have lost to. Mm -hmm. But we still have to be rational after these types of losses. I know, I know, I know. Because yeah. I, I will say this about any team that we talk about, you learn a lot about people by how they react to losing. So, the fact that there are legitimately people who are saying to fire Luke Fickle and Phil Longo and Mike Trussell, just turn your TV off and delete your social media for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, right. Like,
2: I'm, I'm dead serious if that's how you're, like, you're going to react. Yep. Just just tune out for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's a situation too where people are saying, oh Luke fickles in over his head like did were you not here all summer where he's like got us in a better recruiting situation than Paul Christ has had us in the last five years?
0: dude he has none of his guys, which is <clears throat> understandable. So like I'm gonna give it like three, four years before I really start like being 100 invested in the fickle like project. Right right now he's laying the groundwork and that's fine. And we've seen improvements in a lot of (sighs) areas, but
2: man, that loss still hurts. And it's frustrating because we're in a situation with similarly with the Packers, where we've had to adjust our expectations, uh, based on where we were in the preseason. And what it comes down to is we know we have to go through the harder times Mm -hmm. for things to get better. Nobody is just, 100% 100% good all of the time, every single year. Like, yes, you have your perennial contenders in, in a lot of places, mm-hmm. but we've seen it with the Bucks, We've seen it with the Brewers. You have to go through, like, bad foundation-building years when you start over yep. to get to having that strong foundation that you can lean on. The Badgers don't have that strong foundation to lean on, and then on not only that, but like I said, essentially losing four starters on offense. That's a tough spot to be in. So that's like I said, we just have to adjust our expectations and be rational.
0: I'll say uh, if the Badgers follow the Bucks blueprint, I'll wait
2: eight years for a title. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my thing on offense to improve is is fumbles. Uh, Fumbles have derailed a lot of games for the Badgers this year, starting all the way back with the Washington State game. They had three fumbles in that game. Um, They had one versus Iowa with three minutes left, and they were down six. Uh, They lost one fumble versus Ohio State on their first possession. And then they lost two in the second half versus Indiana, one when they were down by three, one when they were down by six. So this is where I'm going to say maybe cut Braden Locke a little bit of slack um, because there were essentially in the last three weeks, um, or last four weeks, three fumbles uh in one score games where he could have had a chance to to lead the badgers to a win.
0: Yeah.
2: All right. Switching to defense. Uh Mike, what did you see that got better on the defensive side of the ball?
3: Uh I just looked at at the end of the day our rush defense I mean if there is something that I can honestly say with, you know, from the defensive standpoint that has as a team overall that has potentially improved week by week by week on a somewhat consistent basis. I think it is still it's the run D. We know in the beginning of the year especially how much we got we definitely got gashed a few times. Mm -hmm. So I mean this pat this past week, I mean we held Indiana to 41 carries for 75 yards. That's pretty that's pretty damn good. So gonna give a shout out to that. I mean there was timely plays when it may have not have worked out the best, but I think overall the yeah the rush D, if you can hold a team to to that many carries for, yeah, for only 75 yards, I think that that deserves some a little bit of recognition. So uh, definitely got to throw that out there.
2: Uh, Jake, what did you see on the defensive side of the ball that got better?
0: Second half defense improved a lot from the game against Ohio State. Um, So I wrote down all the numbers, and this is where the carpal tunnel came back. (laughs) Um, Ohio State, we gave up. 199 yards in just the second half. Yikes. Um, They had the ball for 17 minutes and 15 seconds, which adding time, by the way, hurts your brain. So I was like pretty much cross-eyed on Monday afternoon. Um, we We had them punt three times. They scored two touchdowns. So having the ball for 17 minutes of the 30 when you're losing is just not ideal, right? Uh, so then you, you fast forward to the second half against the Indiana Hoosiers and the Badgers held them to 65 yards in the second half. They Damn. ran 27 plays. So they only averaged 2.4 yards per play in the second half. Nice. Uh, they had the ball for 12 minutes and 23 seconds. We had four minutes and 52 more seconds of possession in the second half. And we made them punt four times and they only scored one field goal. So 14 points, three points, five more minutes with the football. Yards per play, I mean, honestly, it was uh much better. If the offense stops hurting themselves, the Badgers are a good football team.
2: Yeah, that's a good call, all that. Uh, so, for me, it was tackling. And Jake brought up the 199 yards in the second half against Ohio State. The Badgers missed 10 tackles against Ohio State and had 143 yards after the carry. Oh, that's fun. Uh, they only missed 5 tackles against Indiana and had 83 yards after carry or contact, mm-hmm. sorry, not after the carry, after contact. Ooh. So, 60 yards better and cut the missed tackles in half, which is good. Yeah. Um Mike, what do you see on the defense that needs to get better moving towards Northwestern?
3: So, I mean, I did I wrote down third down defense and it was more so because some of these plays were so untimely, not in favor, timely, not in the favor of the Badgers. Of course, Um, you know, they were six. Indiana was six to 16 from third, from third down. I, I wanted to call out two, just two, two plays. One of which led to a touchdown. It was right before halftime. It was a third and seven. The receiver caught it probably had about, probably got about five yards. And then it was between Ricardo Hallman. I believe it, it was actually Jordan Turner. They went to both go tackle the guy at the same time. Fortunately, the receiver got out that possession led to a touchdown. Uh, So that was one I definitely wanted to call out. And then at the end of the game, unfortunately, we get a third and 13 with two minutes, 30 seconds left, right where we want. them. we're going to get the ball back. Quarterback rolls out to the left, throws not the greatest ball. But, yeah, we get called for a pass interference. And, you know, that pretty much sealed our fate. So just you know, just got to clean up on that stuff. I mean, that this is all avoidable, whether it's attack, whether it's, you know, tackling or, you know, just, you know, penalties at the end of the day. So uh it's definitely something we could improve on going forward.
2: Uh Jake, what do you think needs to get better on the defense? Red zone defense, man. Um, You got to have a bend, don't break mentality,
0: especially in uh, the Big Ten. And when you're a team where you know your offense is struggling, you have to hold teams to field goals. It just That's just the reality of the situation, right? Um, the the Badgers allowed Indiana to have three trips in the red zone, and they scored two touchdowns. That's just – that's that's where the game was lost. Yeah. Honestly. honestly. Um, Soresby had a rush touchdown. Annie had a pass touchdown. I mean, that catch in the end zone – I mean, if that guy's not that big and doesn't catch that with one hand, I mean, what a spectacular play, honestly. So, I mean, you kind of tip your hat to that. But, honestly, the red zone defense has got to be better, man.
2: Uh, so, on, kind of on your point, mine is to defend mobile quarterbacks. My matchup to watch last week was Brendan Soresby versus the Badgers middle linebackers. Yep. And on the first possession of the game, Brendan Soresby runs for an eight-yard touchdown. Mm. Brendan Soresby running also converted a fourth and one, a third and three, a second and three, and a first and 10 for 13 yards by himself. Um, He ran for five total first downs and a touchdown. Those six plays account for six of his nine rushes.
0: All right. I'm getting angry again.
2: Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we got the ugly one out of the way. Let's move forward. Let's reset. Mike, what are you looking for from the Badgers offense this week against Northwestern?
3: You know, when it, just looking at, you know, the Northwestern's guys, they got two stud, stud linebackers, it looks like, mm-hmm. in the middle. I mean, one, this dude, Xander Miller, had 19 tackles last week against Iowa. So uh, yeah. we're definitely going to have to keep our eye on him off, offensively. So I am We're going to have, I don't know. We're definitely going to have to try and establish a run. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like we've said this before with the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing. I don't know what, what to expect, like where we could maybe, you know, take advantage of this situation because it seems like we do good in one and running one week past the other. And then it's a little bit in between. So, um, you know, obviously I'm a guy, you know, it's big 10 country. I would love to establish a run against these guys. Northwestern's D is decent though, too. So, um, You know, I'm just looking to see ground and pound, maybe try and, you know, a couple deep balls, but um, establish the run first. I know it might just be Jackson Aker and Katie Acamele, but if Brandon's ready to go, give him the, the ball 20, 25 times if possible.
2: Uh, Jake, what are you looking for from the Badgers offense?
0: So let me set the scene real quick here.
1: <clears throat>
0: you got the Badgers coming in at 5-4, 3-3 and, four, three and three in conference. Northwestern four and five, two and four in conference. To be completely honest with you, it's crazy leadership by all the seniors on this team after everything they went through in the offseason.
3: It yeah. is honestly
0: right. amazing that they're four and five. Yeah. No shit. Like that's that's crazy.
3: That's um,
0: they are they are 0-3 on the road. Um, and all their three road losses are to Rutgers uh, in conference. Uh their three road losses are to Rutgers, Nebraska, and Iowa last week. Um, uh, Wisconsin is three and two at home. They have losses to Iowa and Ohio State. So I mean, two ranked teams. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> and we should have won the Iowa game. Let's be honest, right? Yeah, that was another game where they they had some missed mm. opportunities, but they're learning. Um, Wisconsin offense with Northwestern defense. Mike brought up the linebackers, right? You got Bryce Gallagher and you got Xander Miller. Uh, Bryce Gallagher this year has seventy eight total tackles, twenty seven total. Solo, fifty-one assists, one sack, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and an interception. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good.
2: Yeah, yeah he's just um, everywhere.
0: I mean, you know, yeah, I he's, know. he's all everywhere. Uh In twenty twenty-one and twenty twenty-two, he combined for one hundred and ninety tackles, one hundred and twelve solo, seventy-eight assists, two and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and an interception. He's good. He plays football. Yeah. Uh, Xander Miller, he's no slouch either, right? Uh, 74 total, 40 solo, 34 assists, four and a half sacks. He has an interception, which he returned for 28 yards. In 2022, where he got most of his playing time, he had 87 total tackles, 53 solo, 34 assists, three sacks and two interceptions. These guys are good. You, they, They've seen almost everything. They played Big Ten football together for two years now. You're not going to fake them out. Honestly, to t- to, t- to go at these guys, run it down their throats. You have to run straight out. That's what you do with X-Factor players. You find out what they're about, right? And to your point, Mike, if we have Braylon Allen, you hand them the goddamn ball and you say, carry us, big fella. I honestly think, because Mordecai was in pads last week, I think we can get Mordecai, Braylon Allen, and Tim D.K. back this week. I haven't read anything on it, but – it is Mordecai's birthday today, so happy birthday to Tanner Mordecai. Um, yeah. but I don't know. Uh he was in pads, so I thought that was weird that he was in pads. I don't know what that I, was all about.
3: Yeah, I wanted to call call it uh, that out too. I forgot. I don't know. Maybe I don't hey, want to I was gonna
2: it. touch on it with my, with my thing on the okay, offense. Good, so. good, good. I'll let you I'll, I'll let
3: you about. touch on it, Tyler. You go ahead.
2: Um, so essentially based on where the badgers are the rest of the season, I'm throwing out rankings. I'm not going to bring up any more, you know, the Badgers are this ranked, The you know, their opponent is this ranked. Um, I'm really looking more, given the amount of change that they've gone through, I'm really looking more contextual things. So one of them is, I do believe that this is still Braden Locke's team. Luke Fickle said that Tanner Mordecai was available for emergency situations only. Okay. So I think even though he was in pads last week, he's probably still the third, maybe even fourth string uh, quarterback at this okay. point, And I haven't heard any news to the contrary yet. Okay, So this is still Brayden Locke's team. Um, we're going to have to wait and see with Braylon Allen and Chimera DK. Uh, they were both working out before the game on Saturday. So I would imagine this Saturday will be the same thing, even though DK was wearing a brace last week. Um, I'm leaning towards Braylon Allen being in and DK being out. That's just my thoughts on it. But, it is still Braden Locke's team at this point. And my main focus for the Badgers offense, uh, whether it be just this week and they go back to Mordecai next week or however long Braden Locke is still the quarterback for the Badgers, my main focus is going to be on him developing rapport with his wide receivers over the rest of the year. Who wants to take that? Uh, Reggie said, can I ask one question? Why are we using Locke over Evers? I wanted to ask that the other day. Um, Lock over Evers. That has been the case since spring. Um, Evers has the athletic ability, but he still needs to get better at the playbook system, uh, football IQ system knowledge part of the football game. Yep. Um, Brandon Lock has, you know, maybe not quite the not quite the athleticism, but he's got the, you know, he's got a he's got a good arm. And he's got the understanding of the playbook and the system.
0: Yeah. So when you're when you're talking about, oh, thank you very much. As I'm getting a special delivery. The Jesus juice. Lucky. <laughs> you only get that at Walmart, people. So that was the last one, dude. Oh, my God. I better go buy a lottery ticket. So when you're talking lock versus Evers, uh Evers ceiling athletically is up here and locks is yep. probably somewhere down here, right? But when you're talking about understanding of the playbook, you can just flip them. Um yep. I do think that Evers is going to be a tremendous player. He's going yep. to be the, the, you know, the prototypical uh college quarterback. He can run, he could throw, he could throw off platform, uh, he can make crazy plays that make you go, Wow, I can't believe what I just saw. But you know, yep. he needs another offseason.
3: Yeah. You
0: gotta get the mental side.
3: Yeah. And- They haven't ruled out using him yet this year, either, whether that's a specific package or anything like that. That's still on the table, I guess, per fickle. So you might see him yet. Who knows? I think like Tyler said, with the whole rankings thing that goes out the window at this point, you're trying to, you know, develop your your team going into, you know, for hopefully bowl prep and going into next year, which is why I wouldn't mind seeing it maybe at some point and just see how far maybe he's come along with, you know, learning the playbook too.
2: Yep. All right, Mike, on the defensive side of the ball, what are you looking for from the Badgers on defense?
3: So I actually think the secondary is going to get some, some attention this week. Um, you know, they're, they Northwestern's quarterback, Brennan Sullivan's actually been playing some good ball uh, specifically against Maryland in that upset win you know he threw for 265 yards, two touchdowns, um 80 QBR which is good. I mean even against uh Stingy Iowa, 81 yards, one touchdown. Uh he's got a good go, a good go-to receiver. I think Ricardo might be matched up on my dude here, uh Bryce Kurt Kurt, Kurt Kurtz. I think. 33 care, 33 catches, 507 yards, four touchdowns. Gets a lot of attention. So I think that's going to be uh uh Mr. Holman's uh main nemesis this this uh, weekend here. So I am looking forward to seeing that matchup personally. Uh, Jake, what are you looking for?
2: <laughs> Jake, what are you looking for from the defense? Uh, we need to limit big
0: plays, uh, especially in the run game. Uh, Brandon Sullivan, he doesn't have a crazy average, but he does have feet and is willing to run. So if the Badgers want to win this game, they need to wrap up, tackle, get off the goddamn field on third down for the love of for the love of jesus and everything that is holy get off the field on third down please and thank
2: you um i just looked it up Brandon sullivan does in fact have feet yep <laughs> he has two of them he has two he's got they're attached to legs too would you believe it i know that's that's insane <laughs> how the human body works huh? um so again for me i'm really focusing less on the rankings and i want a statement That's really what I'm looking for this week is for the Badgers to come out. Luke Fickle said the practice that they had after the loss was the best practice they've had following a game all season. So I'm looking for the Badgers defense to make a statement. I want to see an angry Badgers defense hold a team under 10 points. Uh, Northwestern does not overall have a good offense. Prove it to them. Slow down. You guys are getting ahead of me here, okay? Under 10 points, that's a good call. Okay. Cool. So, Jake, you got a weather report this week? I do. And you
0: know what? am getting sick and tired of being one degree off. Because it happened in the goddamn Packer game, and I'm like, that's it. I'm giving a range now. I'm giving a range. <laughs> I'm only going to go three. It's going to be somewhere between 48 and 45. And if and if I'm one degree off, I, I swear I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Wind southeast at seven miles per hour um at the end of the game it's going to be somewhere in the mid to upper 30s 37 to 35 so it's going to be in there
3: all right
2: all right uh, mike <laughs> what matchup are you watching
3: yeah i kind of mentioned it i'm i'm looking forward to seeing um uh, yeah bryce Bryce Kurtz. I think I wrote the name down wrong. I apologize. I'm right. I'm looking forward to seeing Hallman versus Bryce, Bryce Kurtz. I think that's going to be intriguing for sure. Uh, And then our O line against uh, the, the stud linebackers as well. I mean, we, you know, we've been improved a little bit along those lines. So I'm just looking forward to how we block those dudes and just try to set the tone up front. Jake, what's your matchup?
0: I have the Badgers front seven versus Brendan Sullivan. Uh, Brendan Sullivan has 714 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions, 75 carries for 160 yards, and two touchdowns. So he doesn't turn the ball over very much. Uh, He's very smart with the ball. And, again, he can extend plays with his feet. So uh, the front seven is going to have to create pressure, keep him in the pocket, and control
2: the big plays. So for me, uh, I'm not necessarily looking at a matchup, but I'm looking at Braden Locke versus himself slash his development. Um, that's really what I'm watching for when I'm watching the games is I'm looking to see what Braden Locke does, how he responds to a rough game after having what I'll say is a fairly decent game against a really tough opponent the week before, and then having a, a, a loss to a team that, like I said, you know, even though the Badgers have injuries still should have beaten. Yeah. All right, Mike, what is your key to the game?
3: You know, I wrote this down. We had eight penalties again for seventy-eight yards last week. This has been a common theme all goddamn year. We yeah. we can, we cannot play consistent to save our life. The discipline, like, and I was gonna say too earlier. I'm holding everybody accountable. Like that. That starts at the coaching staff. That start. That goes down to the players. This game against Indiana was inexcusable in my view. I think we had. I don't care about like these injuries that we had. We are still good enough to beat Indiana with the talent that we had. That's just my opinion. At the end of the day, I think there's no excuse whatsoever for that loss. Um, I don't think it's as bad as that that loss against Illinois last year specifically. No, but it's no. but it's right there because I don't know. There's a handful of games last year where you could tell we just lay. We just kind of gave up and you know let teams just beat the shit out of us. Ohio State, yeah. Illinois. Mean whatever, but even Washington um, it,
2: State to a degree. Yeah,
3: Washington State too. Yeah, you're right. So uh, we need to play a clean game. Like, okay, if we lose and you know we at least you know limit the number of penalties, you know, and just keep play somewhat consistent and just you know not stepping in our own goddamn feet every other possession. It seems like I can live with that. Yep. But we cannot do this another week, even though most likely it's going to happen because, you know, we're at week nine or 10 now. And when this, you know, is continues to happen, well, I, there's not, there's probably not going to be a short-term solution for that. So I'm holding, you know, everybody accountable. And that starts up top. However, I want to hold players accountable too, because, you know, it seems like, you know, it can't, it should be fixed and it can be fixed, but you got to hold players to the fire too at some point.
2: At least get them trending in the right direction. I mean, we've seen, A lot of games were seven, eight, nine penalties. Four to six. Try to get it down to that. It doesn't need to be a thing where like, you know, you go from nine penalties last week to zero. It's just not realistic. So just incremental progress even. Uh, Jake, what's your key?
0: I wrote down two and I don't know which one is more important.
2: (laughs) I'm just going to sample.
0: Okay. First of all. I'm gonna go back to what I said. You have to you have to start fast. You cannot let bad teams hang around. Like you simply cannot. Uh, you you end up with losses like last week when you when you do that, right? Um, it would be nice for us to lean on our defense and our run game. I think we're more suited for that kind of style. Um, and the next one I have is Locke pushes the ball down the field. It's time. Um, he's got a he's got we got to stretch the defense. Got to make him respect it. You can't keep playing in this box and expecting the offensive line to hold up and the run game to be successful when the defense knows that he's not throwing it past five yards very often, right? Yeah. Um, he only averages 5.1 uh, per attempt. Uh, he needs to be able to take the, take the top off and
2: help the defense. That's what I wrote down. So uh, take the top off, start fast. Well, let's Maybe throw the deep bomb. Um, we've seen it. We've seen him do it like against Illinois, the, the dime that he threw to Skylar Bell yeah. that put him in position to win. We've seen him have you know have some other deep balls that looked pretty good that ended in drops, but I mean he's got the ability, he just gotta it gotta kind of trick some training wheels off. Yep. Um, so for me, I'm gonna go back to what I said about the defense. My key to the game is to smother Northwestern defensive. That's seriously, and that's gonna reflect in my heart score as well. Yeah, but Uh, let's smother Northwestern defensively. So Mike, what is your score prediction from the head?
3: So until proven otherwise, I look at this as has Wisconsin actually improved week over week as the season progresses. Are we getting consistently better somewhere versus a Northwestern who I think you look at their record? Is it dog shit? Yes, but are they improving? I think they are. I think this is going to be ugly. I got in the head, I got 17, 14, Wisconsin. And this is going to be I, until someone proves me otherwise on the offensive side that we can put some sort of consistency together. Like I, I'm holding people accountable this week. Like this, that Indiana loss really got to me, I think based off of our, our standard. So until we get some sort of consistency, until there's a fast start, like what Jake said, I need to be, I just need to be proven otherwise. And I got seven, yeah, 1714 from the head.
2: What's yours, Jake? Cause you, you seemed surprised that he said that too. Mike, you're gonna love this. I have 1713. You motherfucker. <laughs> I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are you, you, if you, if you say 1712,
2: I'll shit my pants right now. <laughs> no, I have
0: 1713.
2: Hey.
3: Oh, 21
2: 13. If Braylon Allen is healthy,
0: 21 13. Okay, if Braylon Allen is healthy, so
2: 17 okay. 13 or 21 13 if Braylon Allen is healthy. Uh, Mike, what is your score prediction from the heart?
3: Not too much different. I got 20 to 10, Wisconsin. Again, I think this ends up being ugly, unfortunately. Uh, just play, I don't think we can't go a week without playing clean this season. And, and until, like I said, until proven otherwise, I Don't see us getting too many points on the board. Um, But I do think we hold them in check um, defensively. So 20 to 10. All right, Jake, what's yours?
0: I went a little crazier than you guys. Um, I think that the defense is going to come out. They're going to play with some attitude. Um, I do expect Braylon Allen to play. Uh, You're talking about people that are pissed off, and you want to piss off a uh, 250-pound man-child. Not a good look. I have 28 to 9
2: 25.
1: Alright. Could mine's use that. Super you can under
0: 10. And I was like, oh, oh he's calling it.
2: <laughs> Mine is. Mine's still under 10. I have 24 to 6. Ooh. On the heart. I really, like I said, I really want to see the Badgers dominate a game defensively. That would be nice. All for it. <laughs> Alright. You guys ready to switch to basketball? This is going to be much more fun to talk about. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so Badgers basketball is back. Now, George touched on it. He mentioned it in the comments earlier that the Badgers play Tennessee on Friday. We are going to do this year. We're going to set goals. So we each are going to have two goals for the next week of games. But before we get into that, uh, Mike, what were your two takeaways from Monday's victory against Arkansas State?
3: Uh, so number one, uh, I know we talked about you know one of the freshmen, Nolan Winter, being in the lineup, but my, uh, my takeaway is we're gonna have multiple freshmen in this lineup this year. Yeah. I was very, very impressed with John Blackwell. Um, you know, coach, coach guard was talking to about him after the game, and he mentioned that you know, during in his high school years, he was the one like bringing the ball down, control, controlling the, the game, so to speak. But what he loves about Blackwell is that he, he's really, really good with moving without the ball, um, which is very, which is vital in college basketball in general. But no, he yeah. played for 15 minutes, you know, 12 points, four rebounds, one steal. The guy was all over the place in making plays. And five of those points are from the free throw line. Five of seven. Another thing to note. So, you know, he, he has no, you know, problem getting you know involved right away and into yep. the thick of things so that was awesome and then Nolan Winter 14 minutes 6.7 boards one steal uh fairly close to a a double double so not bad for a debut so and Nolan Winter was the first guy off the bench along yeah. with Carter Gilmore I guess so um yeah. you know yeah. we're gonna see these freshmen a lot I think this year yeah. um you yeah. know you guys will you know, touch base on a couple other things, but uh, no, it was good to see uh, two freshmen contribute yeah. as high as they did. Um, yeah. Shows that uh, I think Gardo can recruit. Yeah. Not that that's right. new to us, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. We only said it all last fall and winter, but here we are.
3: Yeah.
0: I just wanted, I was waiting for somebody to say it, bro. I was waiting. <laughs> I, was gonna <laughs> I, touch I feel like first.
2: I only said it 4,000 fucking times last year to wait. Because Gardo <laughs> right. has a good recruiting
3: class coming in. Yeah. And then you want to say my second one right away. Yep. Yeah. All right, Rip cool. It. So yeah, I mentioned this in the chat too. It's definitely, we're definitely a little more up uptempo um, yeah. with this offense as well. Um, I call this out um, as well in the chat, but we hardly had any possessions in which we Wisconsin fans are accustomed to where we wait until the whole sh- wait for the whole shot clock to run down. And then we chuck up a 30 footer. I mean, that's, obviously not ideal all the time, but it's something that consistently happened last year. Yeah. So we had the Badgers actually had 78 offensive trips uh, this last game, which is 12 more than their average from last season. So right there, that's a good start. The efficiency like and Co- coach guard coach guard called this after the game too. It's not necessarily the amount of possessions and all that. It's the efficiency. We had 1.35 points per possession, Damn. 1.35 you look back at our final four teams specifically like the 2015 one we were number 1 in the country with efficiency not the the, the pace or anything like that but the efficiency so i can see why yeah. he looks at that stat right away and says hey like this is really really good right so yeah. um no and then we scored on 64.1% of, of our possessions 71.8 in the first half alone so we got off to a fast start wow. We're looking for that in football, but in basketball, we sure got mm-hmm. off to a fast start. But yeah. um, you know, those kinds of things, those are that's something that we're, I would say, as a Badger fan, we're screaming on in terms of you know if if you're saying the college game is more of an up tempo style, well, it's definitely we're definitely bringing that. I would say after this first game.
2: Yeah, let me throw in there for the efficiency too. The Badgers shot sixty five percent on field goals. That's their fourth highest in team history, and it's the highest since nineteen eighty four. Mm-hmm. so <clears throat> jake what two things did you notice gonna be a lot of numbers today huh guys dude just wait <laughs> yes. i got a, i got a hundred
0: stats for the hundred points dude uh, just wait uh, i know um so for me <clears throat> excuse me i went with the balanced scoring so if you look at it we had three four guys three starters four guys total in double digits and then you add in three other guys with at least eight points. So that right there is just tremendous. Uh, Hepburn with 20, Klesman with 14. He was cooking, by the way. Yep. Klezman was cooking. And I think the thing that kind of makes him like unorthodox to guard is he likes going left. He's good at finishing with the left in the lane with his left hand. And he had a nice lefty dribble pull-up. That shit was butter smooth. I was like, oh, yeah. It's very
3: timely. Way. He's a he timely is. guy with, oh, yeah. with making players.
0: I agree. Go ahead. Um, store with 15. Man, he was hitting some some ridiculous, stupid shots, some fadeaway right. jumpers. Uh, He had one in the first half where I was like, oh, my goodness, we haven't had that in forever. And then he uh, his first bucket, I wanted to point this out. I wrote this, not put a star by it, but that was a crazy pass by Chucky Hepburn, dude. Yes. yes. He was way out on the wing, whipped it kind of sideways like this, we scored a lot on the backdoor cuts. And for the last couple of years, Badgers Nation has been begging and wondering where that went because that was a staple of this offense for a long, long time. Um, but getting a guy like A.J. AJ Soar, uh, it's a good thing. Uh, Blackwell, 12 points as well. Uh, you look at just the starters, right? So I'm going to go into my second point now. I have the bench, right? And I don't think that it's it's as you know black and white as it, as it, as it is as it was in the past where the starters had 66 points, 8 rebounds, 15 assists. They shot 25 of 37. That's 67%. That is ridiculous. And they shot 3 of 6 from 3, so 50%. You look at the bench, they scored 39 points, got 22 rebounds. Damn. They only had 2 assists. Only one guy had assists on the bench. Like that was Nolan man man. getting those 7 boards. <laughs> um, Isaac Lindsay only had 2 assists. That was the only assist off the bench. But they shot 14 of 22. That's 64%. Damn, and they shot two of five from three, so they were 40% from three. So, I mean, the bench all up and down was providing good minutes. Um, I didn't write down the guys that played like one, two minutes because, right, the hell's the point of that? Uh, but overall, man,
2: (laughs) shooting 65% as a team is just stupid. (laughs) So, the Badgers also have 56 points in the paint, which is wild. Yeah, yeah. before I get into my two points here, I just want to say Chucky e. Hepburn looks so light on his feet. Oh, it was exciting to watch.
1: He yeah. looks
2: so light on his feet. Like, he played most of the game on his toes instead of flat-footed is how it felt. And he just, yeah. he looked quick, agile, like, twitchy. He looked really good. Uh, for me, my...
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.
2: First, I'm going to save the 100 points. I have the, the 100 points of the battery score, but I want to go back to AJ's store because Jake touched on it a little bit already. His size at six foot seven, but being a shooting guard essentially. Is a massive advantage for him. He hit two mid-range jump shots that were pretty well contested, but might as well just have been shooting against a, a pylon. Yeah. yeah, because he was able to rise up and then just obviously being taller, and he had a pretty high release on both of the jump shots that he took. It to me, it looked a little bit Nigel Hayes esque because he had that mid-range game.
3: Yep.
2: So that's kind of what it reminded me of a little bit. And obviously, AJ Store is his own player, and I'm probably not going to make that comparison for the rest of the season. But just those couple of mid-range shots that he made kind of you know, reminded me of that a little bit. Now, AJ Store scored nine of the Badgers' first 16 points in four minutes and 39 seconds.
3: He's <laughs> going to be a problem.
2: Yeah. The Badgers started this game up 9-0. to yeah. So, yeah. Uh, AJ Store, definitely going to be fun to watch for the rest of the season. Yep. Now, oh boy, I got a lot of stats ready to rip off here. So, my second takeaway is that the Badgers scored 105 points. That is the most points they scored since December 23rd, 1993. I was four months old. That their their last one hundred point game was December thirteenth, twenty eighteen. They scored one hundred and one. The one hundred and five points they scored is their most under Greg Gard, more than any Bo Ryan coached team, more than any Dick Bennett coached team. The one hundred and five points is the most points ever scored in the Coal Center. And it is the most points they scored in a season opener since November 27th, 1993.
0: I purposely didn't read a single thing because I wanted to hear these stats from you. So thank you for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I, I literally went through damn near 30 years of game logs to see how long it's been since the Badgers had an offensive output like this.
0: Yeah.
3: I definitely remember that North Dakota game uh, where Frank Kaminsky had his 40 40 burger or whatever that that was back in 2015 when they hit 103, I believe. I definitely remember
2: that game. Yeah, I think it was 2015. They had 103. Uh, Yeah, I went that 105 as the most. 2014, yeah. Yeah, 14. Yeah. And yeah, they had 103, so 105 points to open the season. Now, I will say this, I do not expect them to be in the hundreds often. No. But I do think 70s, 80s versus 50s, 60s is more about what we'll expect. I agree with that. That's fair. So that said, the Badgers play Tennessee on Friday. <clears throat> and then they play Tuesday at Providence. So, Mike, what are your two goals for these two games?
3: You know, I, I'm kind of gonna piggyback off of the struggles that we had la- last year for this because it's something I'm really going to watch to see if they improve. Can we get to the free throw line? Right, we got to the free throw line 30 times this per- first game. Right, that's nice. great. 21 yeah. to 30. You know, that that's awesome. What did I I said last week on the primer? Coach Guards literally said he wants to get to the free throw line 25 times a game. Yeah. So I'm look. I am going to be looking for that, and I honestly think. You know, with this up-tempo style, obviously, you know, A.J. store having his way, um, he got to the line a few times as well. Um, you know, this offense, I, I think, feel feels like it, it definitely clicks a little bit more, too, and we're going to have more opportunities to get to the hoop. So I'm my first goal is definitely can we get to the free-throw line against, you know, Tennessee. Tennessee is the number – what last season was the num- the number one rated defensive team in the Ken Palm. So that's going to be one hell mm. of a matchup. they got plenty of guys returning to the squad. So, you know, can we, can we get to the free throw line against these guys? That's, that's right. definitely number one. And I guess for next week too, but that's just something I'm watching closely. Yeah.
2: You got, uh, you got two of them or you got? Oh
3: yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll say them, my, yeah my bad. Uh, so it's more so it's kind of a combination here. You know, this first game, we did give up 10 offensive rebounds. That is still, you know, not, the greatest or whatever, but, um, you know, one of our struggles last year was rim protection and interior defense. So I'm going to be watching that closely too. More so because now that we have some somewhat of a backup for, you know, Steven crawl, should he get in foul trouble? Should, you know, whatever happens we got, you know, looking to see what car Gilmore can do. Obviously Nolan winter as well, since they are, especially since they were the first guys off the bench too. So just yep. looking to see how we can, you know, hopefully improve somewhat on the rim protection and interior defense uh with that extra help
2: yeah good call uh jake what are your two goals for next week
3: i like
0: those nice job uh my first one is to continue dominating in the paint uh that's mm. definitely a staple of this offense backdoor cuts uh it seems like everybody goes uh reverts back to the 80s when they touch the ball they're back to the basket Carter Gilmore
2: only made one shot. He only shot it twice, but that was a beautiful move. Uh, great footwork there. Shout out cool. to Isaac Lindsay. Both of his baskets were post touches. Yeah, you son of a bitch. I was going to say, why the hell is Isaac Lindsay? <laughs> <a post-up laughs> it's it
0: it so weird. I couldn't wait to bring it up. Bro, when I was re watching the game, right, I was just like, dude, what the hell is Isaac Lindsay doing down there? And I was like, well, <laughs> he knows what he's doing down there. <laughs> what is going on? But. You know, keep dominating in the paint. Uh, like Mike said, they were turning a lot of players. Tennessee is a very good basketball team. They are yes, they're on a short list of teams that can win the title this year, and I'm being dead serious when I say that. Yeah. Um now you want to talk about a measuring stick game. Now, people were complaining about Arkansas State our defense against Arkansas State, right? Arkansas State plays really fast. Yeah. Like we scored or we would get fouled. And we were full-court pressuring, and they would still get the ball at the floor in, like, five seconds. Yeah. Of course Our they're going to get the paint. They have to make two dribbles. I mean, my God, use your eyes. So, with that being said, I had to say that, dude because I was really bothering me. My second thing is to just continue to let Chucky cook, man. Uh, he, he seems like he has taken a step forward in his leadership, taken a step forward in his play. Um, I love your call out of him looking a little bit quicker. It's going to be really key for him to get downhill and get into the paint. Um, He had a really nice shot attempt in the uh, midway through the first half. We were up like 31-19, and he did a little step back mid-range, and it just bounced off the back rim. But those are shots he's going to be able to get now that he's a little bit quicker and he can get to the rim. So if he can start making stuff like that, that makes him a mismatch, just like AJ Store.
3: And just we're going to have more options too, right? Right? I think Chucky's going to get his looks. Um, Just as anyone else, I think, on this team will, whether it's Connor, AJ, um, you know, big Steve at times, obviously, too. I think just with more efficient uh, how this offense can be, I think Chucky's going to get his looks for sure. He should be able to.
0: Bro, no way that Steven Crowell weighs 247. There's no way in hell.
3: Is that what they have him listed as?
0: I saw on the, when I rewatched the game, he's seven foot, 247. There's no way he weighs that close to Giannis. I don't believe it. I will never believe that. What are they? So that's, that's classic Midwest, like pump up the weight.
2: Yeah, right. He's he's probably only six ten too. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> good call. Uh, put him at seven feet, so that way when the opponent looks at it, they're like, "Damn, they have a seven footer." <laughs> right, dude. First off the bus. <laughs> All right, so. To tie into you saying let Chucky cook, my first one is to replicate the scoring. Again, I'm not expecting the Badgers to score 105 points. But the Badgers did hit 100 points with 5 minutes and 24 seconds to go. So they scored 100 points in 35 minutes. So And after that, they emptied the bench. So obviously with Tennessee, you're getting better defense and you're getting better offense from your opponent. That said... What I do think is going to be important to keep track of here is the health of Connor Assijin. Yeah, yeah. He didn't play in the second half. He was dealing with what they called an upper body injury. Uh, it seems to be like a back issue. Uh, they had him on a bike during the second half. So Connor Seagen's health is going to be something to keep an eye on. But here's the thing: without Connor Assijin, we don't have to turn to Jordan Davis as our only other three point option. True. The Badgers have other three-point shooters available. Like you guys mentioned, Crowell and Klezman being the guys who are returning, and then A.J. Store is a guy who can make threes. And then in the first game against Arkansas State, John Blackwell showed that he can make threes. So the Badgers have guys that can score, and like Jake said, scoring in the paint was obviously something they were able to do very well in game one. And then my second takeaway, this is something I keep track of all the time with basketball. Jake's probably tired of hearing me uh, talk about it, but it's get the turnovers down. Nope. I love it because I hate turnovers. <laughs> so looking at it, I track fundamental failures for the bat- for the, the Bucks, and it's easier to find statistics from the previous year. But I look at missed free throws, uh, second chance points, and points off turnovers. So the Badgers missed nine free throws uh they allowed 12 second chance points which is a little high like mike said the 10 offensive rebounds for arkansas state and then the badgers had 12 allowed points off turnovers so it's a total of 33 points uh that the badgers could have um added to their their differential between them and arkansas state i mean
0: yeah. when by i 60 would be cool but <laughs> yeah yeah
2: i mean scoring 100 and 114 points would be sick yeah. Uh, if they shot 100% from the free throw line, but right. which yeah, right. I don't expect. But like I said, I'll keep track of this throughout the season to see how they do with it. Um, but just getting the turnovers down. Like I, we've we've seen Badger teams, and this could be a product of playing with fewer possessions, but having them between like 9 and 11 turnovers a game, um, I'd like to be in that like 10 to 12, 13 range for the Badgers. I agree with that. All right. Well, Mike, appreciate you hopping on with us again, and we will uh, welcome you back next week to talk about more Badger football and basketball. Other than that, let's get some W's this week.
3: I agree. We, we need them badly here. So, uh, yeah, let's get it done. Cole Center yeah. should be rocking on Friday. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, we'll be chatting for sure. So, uh, yeah. yeah you,
2: hopefully, hopefully three W's to talk about next week. Exactly. Let's do a collective
0: laugh at all the old people because
2: I don't Peacock. I wish I could watch the
3: game. Uh, it only takes a couple clicks. Get that subscription, and uh, then you won't have to worry about it for another year.
0: Dollars, yeah. dude. Yeah, you're buying yeah. your freaking tapioca for eight bucks.
3: Yeah, <laughs> $8
0: for a week, you old fart.
3: Oh yeah, quick, a quick shout out. Happy shout out uh to Jack Robeson and Daniel frite Gets their signing day. Yeah, uh, for the pro- basketball yeah. program. So quick, quick shout out there.
1: Ooh. Yeah.
3: All right. All right. All right. Later, fellas. See you next week, Mike. Yep.
2: Bye. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into some more basketball. I'm I'm Bucks. glad that at least with the way that we structured the show and the Bucks playing the way that they did, uh, that we get to get the bad news out of the way first. Even I know though, uh even though we we have our power pairs to start with, but then we get to get the bad game out of the way and talk about two good ones. That's okay. Um. All right. Let's start with power uh, pair. Yeah, yep. power pair and ready for him and rip him.
0: You want me to go first, or you never go first? How about you go first this uh, time? Hey, that's just that's
2: just my hostly duty. I, I always let yeah, them. No, no, time. no, no, no. I'm gonna be host right now. You go first. How about that?
0: You all
2: right. Out. So Jake and I we switched last week. I had Dame. He had Giannis. This week I have Giannis. He has Dame. Giannis is my first power pair player. He had 25 points a game, eight rebounds, three point seven assists. Shot fifty-four percent from the field, forty percent from three, which I'm going to talk about several times, and sixty-four from the sixty-four percent from the free throw line, which is kind of par for the course at this point. Um, but he did take over the Brooklyn game, which I will also talk about when we talk about that game individually. My second one is Chris Middleton. He averaged twelve point seven points a game, which obviously is going to go up as he continues to play more point or more minutes per game. Uh, also, five rebounds, two point seven assists. I'm going to come back to the rebounds again. At some point, uh, he was 50% from the field, 36.4% from three, and 100% at the free throw line. So Chris Middleton, he's still he's still very efficient. He's not short or uh, not very short of the 50-40-90, which is always the goal with Chris to see if he can hit that. Uh, my underrated performer, went with Jay Crowder. He also averaged 12.7 points, but four rebounds, 1.7 assists. He shot 56.5% from the field. 55.6% from the three point line, and he was two for five on free throws. Uh so Jake, who's your uh power pair underweight performer? So I got Dame <laughs> this week. Um <laughs>
0: Dame averaged twenty-two four and five point six. Uh he shot sixteen to thirty-nine from the field, forty one percent, seven of nineteen uh from the three point line, so thirty-seven percent. Um just kind of felt like Giannis's team this last week. That's not a bad thing. Uh, yep. obviously the guy wins titles and MVP. So um I feel like they're gonna be I don't I don't want to say wrestling because it's not like they're against each other, uh, but they're gonna be sharing the load, I'll say. Uh they're they're gonna take their turns, right? And that's that's right. what you do with star players. Yep. Um we always go back and like you can go to the KD and the curry, you can go to the Wade and LeBron. Like they just took they picked their yep. times. When they each dominated and, Even and Chris during the championship run. Yeah, true. Um, man, oh man, oh man, I have some thoughts on that, man. This team is going to be fucking bonkers when Chris is healthy. I know, dude. You know, and JJ Reddick, rightfully so, talked about the spacing of this offense. Yeah. Just to just to kind of go over here for a second. He talked about the spacing of the offense, and I agree. It's been kind of clunky. Yep. But Chris is that on, you know, like on football, they say he's he's a coach on the field, right? In basketball, he's a coach on the court. I oh, haven't yeah. talked about that
2: before, you and I have. And, he,
0: and like you said, he can give you 50, 40, 90. Yeah. He's that kind of guy, and he's the leader. He's the guy that sets everything up. He's kind of the free safety of the bit, you know what I'm saying?
2: So, um, man, this well, right now he's there. our mid-range maestro. He's the only guy hitting mid-range right now.
0: Bro, he's going to be filthy. Just wait till the spacing is better. Dame will cook from there. I guarantee yeah. that. Oh, I agree I with you. Know. Man, I can't wait for that. Um, Marjan was my other one. Uh, Marjan uh, averaged 8, 3, and 1. Uh, he shot 50, fr- 57. Jesus, criminy. 57% from the field, 8 <laughs> of 14. Uh, 6 of 11 from 3. So he was nice. cooking from behind the arc. Uh, nice. He's money on those corner threes right now. Yeah. And Marjan was a plus 28 when he was on the floor this week.
1: Damn. Yeah.
0: Shook it when I Damn. saw him. Whoa, Marsha balling on here. So campaign, uh, one underrated performer. And I don't really want to talk numbers with campaign because I mean, he doesn't have like horrible numbers, but his impact is more like, in game by the game.
1: Office,
0: right? Like he, yeah, he's in the game. He's yep. a, he's what you would call a gamer. And he, he is just, allowing spacing right yep. um he's kind of forcing it uh he's shooting 57 percent from the three-point line this year so far so that is absolutely nuts with and one of the
2: ugliest jump shots that i've ever seen
0: bro that thing looks something is wrong with that i don't know what's going on but it works so like I'll remember of- uh michael kidd gilchrist free throw huh. remember that that's kind of what it reminds me of, but it's it, butter. He's
2: got like this weird catch. Yeah. Him, and then it's I it's ugly as hell, no, but it works. So I
0: don't know how he gets that thing off against 6'10 people, but more power to him. Um, he also pulled out the Celly. Uh he was going crazy in Brooklyn. He did, he
2: yeah, he was yeah, he was feeling himself
0: against Brooklyn. he was, he was cooking. Um, and he brings pace to the offense, which I love so. Um, I just wanted to touch base on why he was my underrated performer. I felt like he was really, really good, especially in the Brooklyn game. So good call. Um, let's get this ugly game out of the way.
2: All right. Last Wednesday, Bucks and Raptors. Wow, what did you take away from it?
0: <sighs> Turned on the wrong page because I was so upset. <laughs> oh god. Bucks and Raptors. Jeez, they the Raptors literally came out the first possession and decided just to beat the shit out of us. Yeah. And then they literally did that for four quarters. They got into the paint. They like, I like, I'm just going to call it. Like I see it. They're professionals. They can handle it. Um, I mean, obviously I'm not going to like freak out and say, let's fire this guy. Did we hire the wrong coach? Like I'm not going to oh, freak out like that. Sake. I know dude. I'm just like, bro, I'm almost to the point again where I just want to take a break from social media because people just talk so goddamn silly. Yeah. But, You know, the Bucs shot 30, 35 of 76. That's 46%. That's honestly that's not horrible.
2: It's not not horrible.
0: When you allow the other team to shoot 56%, that's where that starts to look really bad, right? Yeah. Um, we had 29 rebounds, they had 50. They had 15 offensive rebounds. Um, they almost they had Like, over, like if you would just take their offensive rebounds, that's over 50% of our total rebounds, which is horrible. Um, they had 35 assists to 18 turnovers. We had 19 to 12. 19 uh-huh. to 12. Times. Again, that's not bad, but it's like, come on. We have Damon Giannis. We should at least have 25 assists. Uh, points in the paint. Uh, this always, always, always makes me so angry. 66 to 40. 66 points in the paint. And then they had—I mean, this adds into the points of the paper. They had 26 fast break points to our five fast break points.
2: They are a fast break team. That is, their pace is high. So I will say that.
0: And that, and you know, this goes to a team that we talked about in you know our Eastern Conference, like Power Meter, um, as the Pacers. They play a very fast pace as well. And the Bucks last year, one of their struggles was fast break defense, transition defense. 100%. So it looks to be something that is a problem again this year. But hopefully they can nip it in the butt and figure it out. Uh, okay. I totally – I'm putting all my trust in Griff, uh, defensive mastermind, to figure that out. But um, overall, I mean, the bench still played good, in my opinion. Uh, they yep. had 33 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists total uh, without Bobby.
2: I always take Bobby off there. But, uh, man, they really just beat the crap out of us, man. So I'll throw this in there, too. The Bucks got off to a slow start offensively. They started uh, 7 for 20. And 0 for 7 from the three-point line. Yeah, And too many turnovers again. Seven first-quarter turnovers. Oh, yeah. Um, And then I will say, a little bit unlucky, they had a lot of in-and-out shots. Yeah. Uh, second quarter, a lot of one-and-done possessions by the Bucks, And then Toronto hitting more shots. They stretched the lead to 21 points. Um, out of the timeouts, the Bucs did look intentional, like they were trying to get more free throws. Um, Chris Middleton made the Bucks' first, three-pointer of the game, at the 8-18 mark of the second quarter not ideal. Yeah. Uh second half, uh Agent Griffin didn't know that Chris Middleton had a couple more minutes left to play under his his minutes restriction, so he put Chris Middleton in for brooke Lopez early in the third quarter to try a small ball lineup of Damian Lillard, Malik Beasley, Chris Middleton, Jake Crowder and Giannis at the five. It's interesting. Obviously, these things need to be tried out to see how they work, which I'm going to come back to after I talk about the game just in general. Um, I will say the third quarter, the ball movement, the energy, the shooting looked better. They were still down big, but better signs of the game in the in the third quarter. Um uh, second half, total um the batter The Bucks did outscore the Raptors. I think it was 69-66 or sixty nine sixty-seven. Uh fourth quarter though, the Bucks were eleven of sixteen from the field. That's sixty nine percent. And then they were six of eight. 75% from the three point line. Um Andre Jackson Jr had 3 assists and Marjon Bochamp had 8 points in that fourth quarter. So a little bit of the young guys getting some burn which is which is always encouraging. Um now takeaways. Fundamental failures. 10 missed free throws, 10 points off turnovers, 21 second chance points. Yep. That's the killer. I can live with the 10 and 10, but 21 second chance points is nine too many. Uh, So the fundamental failure points total were 41. The number to beat is 38. So they were above that. Now, it shouldn't surprise me that people are bitching about the new coaching staff because they did it with the Badgers. You know, not recognizing the things are going to take time to change. And I posted a reel of you saying new superstars take time to adjust to each other. Yep. And we talked about it. Damon Giannis have never played with players as good as Damon Giannis. Yes. <clears throat> now another complaint that I'm seeing is staggering Damian Lillard and Giannis Tenakumpo. If you're gonna complain that that's dumb, like you you don't just have everything figured out. You have to try things to see how they work to figure them out. Nothing that the Bucks are going to do in the rest of this season is known. They have to find it out. That's why they play the games. You don't know if things are going to work if you don't try them. So, outside of Malik Beasley, who was 7-for-10 from the field and 6-of-9 from the three-point line, and Jay Crowder, who was 3-of-5 from the field and 2-of-3 from the three-point line, the Bucs didn't shoot well. I will say I was very encouraged that after seven first-quarter turnovers, the Bucs only had five over the rest of the game. So, that was very good. Um, And then Chris still on a minute's restriction. He did look good in the first half. He scored 11 points in the first half. Um, Just one of those games. It's, yeah, just kind of crumple it up, toss it over your shoulder, move on to the next one, and that's what we're going to do. So we'll sit out to you on Friday night. So the first ever, the first ever in-season tournament
0: game in Milwaukee Bucks history in Milwaukee, man. I, I don't know.
2: How did you feel about the court? Let me ask you that real quick. It's okay. Like, like the Denver, they got, they got blue with a yellow stripe. Yeah. And right. the Bucks Just getting normal wood with a green stripe. It was supposed to be cream. It, that's what it said. That's, that's the fucking color of wood. <laughs> hey, man. I don't know. I've,
0: you know what? If they were gonna go blue jerseys, to be completely honest, they should have went blue court. That would have been. Bro, lit. Could you
2: imagine trying to pay attention to that
0: <laughs> with the, with like the the speckles and stuff that's on the court on the jerseys? That would have looked amazing. I bet it would look cool.
2: Or even do like even or do, do, like do the green. green.
0: Exactly. With, a, with a blue
2: stripe. That. Now we're on to something.
0: Now we're on to Um I thought it was okay. The, jersey, the jerseys are better than the court, in my opinion. I like
2: the jerseys after I heard what the explanation was. When I saw the jerseys leaked before I knew what the explanation was behind it, Yeah, I was like, eh. But then, you know, they say that, that it's for, like, flooding the Deer District, and then they have the, the Serve swoop on the jersey. That I like. I like that much more.
0: So my daughter wants to give me a kiss, so I'm going to allow my daughter to give me a kiss. She also is naked, so I apologize for that. Say hello. We are live right now. There are people watching. <laughs> back mommy, I love you. <laughs> She's going to play now. So, let me talk about the Bucks and Knicks. Um, first of all, if I see another person complain about a guard going crazy on us that goes crazy on everybody, I'm going to lose it. People are like, we lost games, so we have no perimeter defense. Bro, I'm going to tell you right now. Both of these individuals would have could give Drew forty. Easy.
2: When they're on fire, fire. anybody who wants 40.
0: Exactly. And oh my God. I'm gonna get into the Brooklyn game in a little bit. But I'll say this. I got two things that, that I'm gonna start with. Dame is every single bit of the closer that this team thought they were getting and needs. Every bit. And the biggest impact is the free throw line, so I just want to really give you a big congratulation on calling that out. Absolutely the closer they need in those moments.
2: Going to come up again in Brooklyn.
0: I love having Chris and Dame as options late in game. Fuck yeah. For free throws. That is phenomenal. Giannis, get the rebound. You look for number zero. You look for number 22, and then you don't touch the damn ball after that. Yeah.
2: I love you, Giannis, but let's – be honest, right? In a free throw situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you want. I get it.
0: Um, people were complaining about the rebounding, and I was one of those people. Um, I was starting to think that rebounding was a problem this year, but
2: I like Knicks, Michael He's a the, good rebounder.
0: The Knicks literally are rebounding everybody, right? Um, <laughs> they had 16 offensive rebounds in this game. So you go from 15 offensive rebounds to 16 offensive rebounds. I will come back to this. Okay. I will come back to this. Um, I also wrote down the, the total rebounds. Um, I just wanted to bring year. up the
2: first half versus the second half on the offensive rebounds. I
0: don't, You can, you could do that if you want, but I'm going to come back to it after the Brooklyn game. So you can okay. come back. I just want to Ron make it.
2: sure it gets touched on that 12 of the 16 were in the first half. Uh,
0: it was pretty hard to watch. Yeah. Um, Dane with 30, 4-4, four four, Giannis with 22, 8-6. and six. He only took 10 shots, made six of them, three of three from the three-point line. Uh, Chris Middleton, 12, nine, and four, five of 10, two of three, dude. He is going to feast, bro. They dropped Brooke Lopez back into his drop coverage. And yep. lo and behold, he has eight blocks. Yeah. Weird how that works. Um, Beasley didn't score, but he still was playing, trying to play some tough defense. Bobby Porter struggled from the field, but still always bringing that energy. Yep. Um, if you need a guy to get the crowd into the game, um, you're either going to ask Giannis to dunk on the entire organization or you're going to tell Bobby Portis to scream and pound his chest. You got two options. <laughs> uh, the bench minus Bobby Portis, 29 10 and 7. They were 11 of 20, 7 of 13 from downtown. Um, fast break points was better. Uh, the, the Bucks shot 20 of 39 from the three point line. They were absolutely striping it. Most of that was from Marjan and Jay. And the yep. last moment before I take everything from this game, the last thing I'm going to say is I really think that the Bucks coaching staff deserves major credit for how they are distributing Chris Middleton's minutes and allowing him to be into the game at the end of the game to close it out because that lineup at the end of the game is absolutely filthy. And honestly, I'm going to sound like a major homer right now. I don't know of a better
2: five to close out a game. I'm
0: being Man.
1: dead,
2: dude. I mean, so the the lineup you're talking about is Dame, Jay, Chris, Giannis, and Brooke.
0: Yes, dude. You get defense. You get offense. You get versatility. You get three-point shooting. You get
2: finishing in the paint. You have it all. All of it. You have all of it. That lineup is sick. You could toss in rebounding in there, too, because you mentioned Chris Middleton's nine rebounds. Led the team. Mm -hmm. So through this game... Five games, Chris Middleton had led the team in assists twice and in rebounding once mm. on a minutes restriction. Mm. Interesting. So <clears throat> Giannis set the tone early. Uh, the first 13 points all came from the big three. I will say second chance points and fast break let New York go on a ten zero run. run. Um, you know, it was a close game at the end of the first quarter. Bucks got off to a much better three-point shooting start in this game. They were 6 of 11 to start the game from three. Um after two by Marjan and one from Jay, Chris Middleton. He looks comfortable. Like we are seeing mid-range, you know, mid-range assassin version of Chris Middleton in limited minutes. Yeah, we are, uh, bro. When he's hitting like his couple like crossover dribbles, fadeaway, like step on one foot, turn back the other way, fadeaways, and he's hitting all of those. Like, bro, when he's off his minutes restriction, like Chris Middleton's back.
0: Just, <laughs> there's no we're gonna have to hear that meme of we back up with the Bucks
2: head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell the world we back. Um, outside of Chris Middleton, the Bucks were struggling from mid-range, but doing well at the rim and the three-point line. Um, mm-hmm. the Bucks defense, I will say, looked much more active, but still allowing too many offensive rebounds, which to, to New York's credit, that is something they emphasize.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I would, as as far as the first half goes, I would like a different set. Uh, other than a, a Damian Lillard isolation with 22.9 seconds left in the half. If there's seven seconds left in the half, sure, call an isolation. But we're looking at almost a full shot clock, like run oh. something besides Damian Lillard just kind of holding the ball by half court for 15 seconds and then trying to go into a one-on-one dribble situation. Right. Um. That's just personal preference like I get that Damian Lillard is capable of scoring on anybody anytime but I do think the Bucks can run a better option with that much time on the clock yeah you can get him a better look you can right. still have a do it, but you can get him a better right. look right um second half Chris Middleton still hot uh although a 10-0 run by the Knicks did get the lead to four um, Damian Lillard hit a three, Giannis hit a three, Marjon Beauchamp got an offensive rebound and kicked out to Jay Crowder for three. The lead got back up to nine, um, Marjon Bochamp hit a three that put the lead up to 10 after the Knicks scored, um, an all bench unit by the Bucks did allow the Knicks to cut the lead back down to four, a six point lead at the end of the third quarter. Um, the Bucks kind of held with Damian Lillard, Giannis and Brooklyn Lopez out, out of the game. Fourth quarter, some jumpers by the Knicks and some empty possession by the Bucks cut the lead down to three. This is credit to Jalen Brunson. The dude's a baller. Yeah, he he's good. Yeah, um, like I mean, I'm not saying athletically, but you can put him scoring wise in categories with guys like Donovan Mitchell, John Morant. Um, I don't quite say Luca because Luca's a little bit different because he's more of a distributor. But like he's he's in that tier of of scorers at least imagine Kyrie
0: Irving with Jalen Brunson's mentality man that guy's a killer
2: bro straight up yeah that's interesting um <clears throat> I wonder if I wonder how Luca would do with a guy like Jalen Brunson
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs>
2: um. Giannis and Brooke Lopez got back-to-back-to-back to back to back blocks at the rim. And I will say this, because I have said it, you have to be willing to get dunked on to make plays like that. Yep. People are oh, Giannis got dunked on by Tatum. For every time that happens, he's blocking four shots at the rim. Yep. You you have to be willing to get dunked on to be able to block shots at the rim and make highlight plays for your team.
0: Understandable, yes. Uh,
2: Credit to, to Giannis and Brooke for having that willingness. Mm-hmm. Um, a Brunson three, put the Knicks up 103-101. Dame time after that. He hit a three to put the Bucks back up on top, 104-103, then played good defense on Jalen Brunson, yeah. missed a mid-range shot, and then made a good cut, and Chris Middleton found him for a layup and an and-one, and the Bucks were up 107-103.
0: Did you see that highlight floating around of after Dame locked up Brunson? Um, Brunson took the shot, and Julius Randle was literally pouting on the floor and decided to walk back on defense. And he could have been back to, to prevent that Damian Lillard and-one layup, which, by the way, dude, that's a hype video. Watching the three, and then the and one, disgusting screen from Brooke Lopez. With a defensive stop in between. Right. Uh But Chris Middleton with the, with the awareness oh, yeah. to, to try to run some clock and then seeing a, seeing a guy wide open on the rim, you have to pass that, right? So he passes it, you get under an and one, here. and do it. Milwaukee
2: was loud and on fire. So the Bucs finished the game on a nine to two run after the Knicks took the lead. Oh, uh man. the Bucs shot a better three point percentage, 51.3 than field goal percentage, 42.7.
1: <laughs> so stupid.
2: Now, on your subject of Julius Randle not getting back on defense, I said this to you. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember that I said it, but Julius Randle is great value, Joel Embiid.
0: I think I do remember you saying that. And you know what, man? He's so talented, and he could be so yep. good. He settles for too many goddamn jumpers, though, dude. Yup. And his body language is garbage. And you want to know what? Your comparison, now that I just said that, is just absolutely insane. Because I believe that Embiid settles for too many jumpers. Yup. There is a massive, massive difference between being a guy that shoots jumpers and like is a jump shooter... Over compared to a guy that can make jump shots. Yeah. Which I believe Randall and Embiid both can make jump shots. I don't think yeah. they're jump
1: shooters.
2: Yes. Which
0: I will I
1: honestly. I, their game.
2: Yeah. I feel somewhat similarly about Giannis. Because he can make the mid-range. Like if you leave him, you know, three, four steps of space, like I'm okay with him taking that mid-range. We're going to talk about his shot selection more in the Brooklyn game. But I will say the Bucks had balanced first half scoring. Giannis had 10. Brooke Lopez, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, and Jay Crowder had nine points each in the first half. So balanced scoring. Um, and then with with Bobby and Beasley being quiet offensively, Marjan and Jay Crowder stepped up. Bucks only missed eight free throws, which isn't bad. 14 points off turnovers is a little high. 13 second chance points, despite giving up 16 offensive rebounds isn't bad. Uh, 35 fundamental failure points. The mark to be is under 38. So they did that. Nicely done. And they got a win. Look at that. And a win. Shocking. All right. <laughs> Bucks Nets. What's done up to you from Monday night? Oh, man. The Nets
0: just really just like to get up and down. That is, that is their game. They want to get the ball. Give me the ball back. We don't care if we give up a score. We're gonna go down. And we're gonna score ourselves. Um, they shoot a lot of threes. Um, Nikhil Bridges is still a monster. Uh, love that guy. Uh, they got a lot of interesting players on that team, and it's it's interesting how they all fit together. But
2: people need to not sleep on Cam Johnson too, because he's gonna be. He's got a ton of potential too.
0: Bro, he's so long, and he is a jump shooter. I was yes. talking about Nick of Paris. He is yep. a joke. Um, I just want to say that the Bucks, you know, um, this is uh, this was kind of a tough stretch for them. I know the Nets are kind of a lower team. The Knicks are pretty good. Uh, the Raptors are kind of uh, the Raptors they're are weird. a speaking team. I'm not saying they're a walkover, but they're definitely a playing team. In they're opinion. weird. They're, yeah, I agree. They're a playing team, but the Raptors are weird. Yeah, they're they're so hot and cold, man. Uh, yeah. Honestly, and Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is good. I'm just gonna say that. Uh yeah. I mean Pascal Siakam, we know what he is, but man, Scotty Barnes is a little
2: underrated. I party. like I like OG Ananobi too. Like he's I like I like OG. He's a, he's just a quiet gamer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he does they don't bother nobody over there in Toronto, man. Yeah. Just, he is like
2: He's, like, a guy, like, nobody knows who he is. He just shows up to the gym, like, balls out and goes home. Like, that's how I feel about OG Anunoby. I have no idea if that's true or not because I'm not a Toronto <laughs> Raptor fan. But that's just, like, the vibe that he gives with how he plays.
0: Right, right. <laughs> but uh, the Nets game here. Um, the Bucks shot uh, 46 of 96 and the Nets shot 49 of 101. We almost, we almost saw 200 shot attempts. Sheesh. want to talk about pace of play, dude? Yeah, no (laughs) (laughs) The Bucs shot 16 of 48 behind the three-point line. They shot 16 of 45. We almost saw 100 threes. Jeez. (laughs) Um, They got 46 rebounds. We got 48. They had 11 offensive. We had 12, so we actually won that one. I like that. We did. Yeah. 26 assists to 22 assists. We only had 10 turnovers. That's fantastic. They only yep. had eight. That's not great for us, but good job by them because they play yep. a fast pace and they um, play a
2: lot of isolation.
0: I'll say that they do. Um, Forty-eight to forty-six in points in the paint. They had twenty fast break points, so it got a little bit worse in this game. That's definitely something there I have to clean up. Uh, we shot really well at the free throw line. Uh, Dane didn't shoot super great, but Giannis was Giannis was in attack mode. I'm gonna say he really was from the tip, like. There's oh, yeah. something about the Brooklyn Nets, like Barclays. Is it still called Barclays? Yep. Okay. I don't know anymore what the arenas are called. There's like they're just changing the names. Right.
2: isn't a thing anymore.
0: I know it's it's that's crypto or whatever. whatever.
2: Yeah, Crypto.com arena or whatever.
0: Yeah, like when I when I heard that the Nuggets changed from like the Pepsi, I was like, oh okay. Now nah, I'm just now nah, this is just too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but there's something about Barclays that gives Giannis a good feel, man. Uh, maybe it was the practice the day before where he was just making you know Chris Middleton mid-range jumpers and then pulling up for three and saying I'm nice, but he carried that over to the Brooklyn Nets game and he was absolutely hooping. Uh, Chris Middleton was good, 15 points, three rebounds, four assists. Brook Lopez was kind of quiet on the offensive end. Man, he missed that one. He missed a couple bunnies and he knows it. Uh, yeah. He missed the one that was a super good pass from Damian Lillard, and it was like can't miss that one. Yeah, I know. That was not such a beautiful layup. basketball play. Not you still have not, so not, not missed the layup, too. All right. Um, it's Mikhail, uh Beasley struggled from the offensive side of the ball again, but, you know, he's going to have some hot and cold nights. He's still yep. kind of getting, you know, feeling where he fits into the offense as well. Uh, Bobby Portis, 11.6 rebounds to assist. The bench, 39 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 14 of 25 from the field. And 10 of 19 from behind the three-point line. Nice. Um, Ten of the 16 threes off the bench. That is insane. Uh yeah, the the closer was not game, so I'll leave
2: the floor to you. All right. So Giannis again set the tone early. He babied Ben Simmons on the first possession. He Dude, babied his crying. ass. Cry. And the second the second possession, he went right past him. Giannis scored the first four points on Ben Simmons. Uh, the Bucs did start 0 for 7 from 3 again, but they were only down three points at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh Jay Crowder himself, after that, started two for two on three pointers again. Um, and then Giannis, a four-nothing run by himself to end the first quarter, down just three points after a cold quarter. That's what the Bucks offense is, where even if they don't shoot well, they can still score enough to keep up. Yep. Uh Bobby Portis hit his first three of the year to give the Bucks a lead in the second quarter. Um, an 11 nothing run by Brooklyn did have them a three-point lead, uh, part of a four-minute drought by the Bucks, And that's where the shot selection needs to come in. And this is what I said to you while we were talking during the game, is I get that Giannis made three out of three threes the previous game. But it's not the highest percentage look that the Bucs can get. If the Bucs are up a dozen and he's feeling himself or he's getting a catch-and-shoot look, let it fly. But when we're on a four-minute shooting drought, scoring drought, period, that's not the time to take dribble pull-up threes. Yeah. So, yeah. just want to put that out there. Yeah. Into the second half, Pat Connaughton hit a three that tied the game on, at 76. The Nets followed with a 13 to three run. The Bucks responded. Jay Crowder hit a three that gave the Bucs a one-point lead on a 16-4 to four run, a 20-5 to five run to end the third quarter by the Bucks. Fourth quarter, campaign staying hot, allowed the Bucs to extend their lead with Damian Lillard on the bench. That's where he gets into underrated uh, performer territory. It's yep. not that he's giving you 15 points a game for three games. It's that he's giving you 11 points in a game where your starting point guard isn't having his best shooting night and he can help you maintain or grow a lead while your starters on the bench. That's what makes you an underrated performer. Agreed. Because it doesn't show up in the stat sheet over the course of the week that you scored big points, but you look game by game and you see his impact.
1: Context matters,
2: baby. Um fourth quarter, Giannis, that's when he started to take over, scoring and passing. And the Nets only closed the gap in this game when Giannis was on the bench. Yeah, the Nets got the lead back 109 108. Giannis came to check back in. They scored again to make it 111 108. And Griffin called a timeout. Pat Connathan got a tip in that made it 111 110. The Nets went up 115 to 112 with five minutes to go. They got <laughs> the Bucs got two offensive rebounds one on a missed shot that Brooke Lopez got. Giannis took a three, missed yep. it. Ball goes back out to Giannis. He's 0 for 6 from three point line at this point. And he's like, I'm shooting another one.
0: <laughs> Bro, he striped that a bitch, though.
2: And he, he straight cash. But I'm just <laughs> like, Oh my god, Giannis, you are 0 for 6 the three-point line. And he's just like, Fuck it, I'm gonna shoot another one.
0: Dude, I literally was on my couch. He caught that a bitch with his long ass arm. Oh. Damian Lillard. Who's like one of the best closers in history? He's just like, hey, guy. And Yash yeah, just like, I got this. And I just started geeking. I was like, oh my God, only Yannis, dude. Only Yannis.
2: <laughs> oh, oh. All right. So this game was tied at 115, 117, 119, 121, <laughs> and 123. Yep. Giannis scored or assisted on 18 of the Bucks' 33 fourth quarter points.
0: Holy nice stat! I like
2: it. Nice, nice. I got you. So, we said this: we love Mikal Bridges. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. We'd love it if he was on the Bucks. We respect yeah, him yeah. so much. Yeah. Cam Thomas, this this guy needs to be talked about because one guy scores 45 of a guy who isn't a household name, and people flip out. Cam Thomas is a microwave scorer. He's the new J.R. Smith. He will have 45 against the Bucks. I haven't looked at his box score, but I'm willing to bet in one of the next three games that he has a game where he shoots like two for 14.
0: Dude, he's literally the next J.R. Smith.
2: He is, like I said, he is a microwave scorer. Yes, he scored, what, 40, 45, 42, something like that? Yeah. It took him, like, 22 shots.
0: He started the season – was it this year? I believe it was this year. He started the season with three straight 30-point games.
2: The guy could score, dude. Yeah. He can score. That's all he can do, really, honestly. And like I said, he's not going to score 40 every single night but he's going to score 40, like, three games in a row, and then he's going to score, like, 40 in the next five games combined.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got to look up his stats, though. I want to see that.
2: Like I said, Giannis, it's got to be timely when you're shooting threes. Just be mindful of when you're taking them. Mid-range, if they're giving it to you, shoot it. I'm confident that that shot's going to go in uh Bucks offense it is coming around i see the potential of the Bucks defense but it is still inconsistent they are still learning um and then with playing they played a pretty solid amount of zone defense in this game they got a couple defensive three second calls out of it but uh you mentioned it already despite the Bucks feeling like they gave up a lot of offensive rebounds they did still have more and second chance points they had more second chance points than Brooklyn also um, and I will say the Nets got some whistles that the Bucks did not get.
0: Uh, this is also true.
2: It was annoying as hell that Damian Lillard is, in, is back in defense and transition. It should have had a steal because he touched the ball before he touched anybody's body on that. And he gets called for a foul. And then, like, two possessions later, Giannis gets absolutely mugged, no foul. A couple possessions after that, Damian Lillard gets mugged and no call. But I'm like, bro, four possessions ago – You called Damian Lillard for a foul when he should have had a steal, and now we're not calling fouls in this situation,
0: bro. There was literally like back to back possessions of like Giannis going to the going to the rim, no fucking call. He ends up on the ground, yeah. And then they come down the floor, they miss the layup, but they get a foul call, yeah. Like Giannis is
2: like picking himself up off the floor, and they get a foul call. I'm like, what? It's
0: the same play.
2: Yeah, so that annoyed me a little bit, but the Bucks still won. Um, the mark to beat for fundamental failures is 38. The Bucs only missed three free throws, which is awesome. Yeah. 12 second chance points for the Nets. That's that's the that's the number. That's the number to aim at. Twenty points off turnovers is a lot though. So that brought the number up to 35, so they were still better than their last year's average, but mm-hmm. still some opportunity for progress there, which I think is the name of the game or the Bucks is opportunity for progress. Now, they play tonight against Detroit. Chris Middleton sitting out the first half of the back-to-back. Tomorrow, yep. they play at the Pacers. That should be just a really good basketball game, honestly. Yeah. Um, Pacers are kind of a sneaky team. Uh, they play Saturday at Orlando, and then they play Monday against Chicago. So, four games over the next week. I'm going to say 3-1, and one, and they lose to the Pacers tomorrow night.
0: Since Chris Middleton is going to play that one, I'm going to say they're going to win. I yep. wanted to t- touch base on one thing from the totals from last week real quick. Go ahead. We gave up 42 offensive rebounds, and we only had 26 ourselves. So we gave up 16 more offensive rebounds. Uh, in total, we gave up 152 rebounds to 118. So that's something that they can improve on as well. And I looked up Cam Thomas's stats, dude. He took 33
2: freaking shots against the Bucks.
0: 16 threes.
2: God damn. So I was light when I said I thought he took 22.
1: Shit. Oh, he took 16 threes.
2: I know he made six of them, but bro, does everybody think they're Steph Curry now? He took 33 shots to score 45 points.
0: He, he shot, I mean, 17 of 33 is not horrible. Okay, it's, okay, about up, about 50, it's about 50% barely, but. You know what that is? That's Russell Westbrook. Seriously. Except he only got four rebounds and three assists. He's averaging 27, dude. The guy scores. Yeah, that's literally it. Yeah, that's it.
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound like his percentages are super favorable either. I I didn't look at the percentages. I just saw that as average. Well, I mean, you brought him up from that game. I mean, that's essentially 50% from the field, but that's like 35% from the three-point line, which is okay. He shoots 48% from the field. Okay. If he uh, shoots a lot of threes, I can see it taking it down a little bit. What's his three-point percentage? Three-point percentage all splits. Ooh, 33%. Yeah, that's from a guy who's a scorer like that. And Liff, a guy who's a better three-point percentage.
0: A guy who's shooting 16 threes is shooting yeah, no thirty-three percent Um, I know.
2: Um, uh, I'll, Michael, I'll touch back on that in a second. Uh, I'll say, like I said, if the Bucks go three and one this week, that will put them at seven three, seven and three for the season. Uh, that is a seven hundred win percentage. That would put them at fifty seven wins for the entire year.
0: I like that. I am gonna go four and zero though. I do think that they win tomorrow night because of Chris Middleton.
2: Yeah, like I, I just wanted to bring it up because like people are acting like the fucking sky is falling. And like I said, if they end up, you know, if next Wednesday we're talking about the Bucks being seven and three, that literally puts them on pace for fifty-seven point four wins. So people just need to chill out. They do. So they all do. right, I'm touch on Michael's comment here as we sign off, uh, Michael. We did start the show uh, updating where the the Brewers are at with Craig Council uh, and replacing him. Um, right now, it sounds like Pat Murphy might be the front runner. But uh, Matt Arnold did say he had GM meetings today. He did say that he's not necessarily leaning internal or external. So our thing was we brought this up on Monday. We think they're going to cast a wide net. Um, So I think that's still the case. And we have about three and a half weeks until winter meetings. So I don't think they're going to be in any rush. Um, And one of the four vacancies in Major League Baseball, the Angels, was filled with Ron Washington today. So right now it's just the Brewers, the Padres, and the Astros with um, managerial vacancies. So it's not like, you know, there's seven jobs to be filled and they need to hurry up so they can get their guy. I think they're going to look at a lot of guys and then find the one that they think is the best fit. Agreed. And I trust Matt Arnold to find that guy. So that's where I'm Agreed. at. Yep, yep, I agree. wholeheartedly. so. All right, well. Jake, we'll be back on Friday night to talk about the Packers. Other than that, I will see you Friday night and next Wednesday.
1: All right, buddy. See ya.